0: Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Flora. We all know that there are diehard skincare enthusiasts out there that spend hours researching ingredients every week. On this week's episode, we have two co-founders who are reaching the opposite of that. In 2021, Emily DiDonato and Christina Uribe launched skincare brand Covey. Instead of the skin intellectuals, they're targeting a busy millennial who doesn't have time to go down what they call the skincare rabbit hole. They're both bringing unique expertise to the brand, As a model, Emily has had firsthand experience with time-consuming skincare routines. Christina is still working full-time at Google and knows all about the process for researching search trends to find what beauty shoppers want. We talked about the founding story of the brand, TikTok trends, and where mainstream consumer awareness is at for popular skincare trends like vitamin C and SPF. Here's the interview. Emily and Christina, thanks for being here. We're so excited. So before we talk about the beauty brand, let's go into what you were doing before this. Emily, you came from the modeling world. Christina, you've been in tech. Emily, why don't you start? How did you get started with modeling?
1: Yeah. um, So I've been a model for almost 15 years, primarily in the beauty space. Um, I started when I was about 17 years old. I was a junior in high school. Um, I have kind of that fairy tale story that a lot of young girls have. I was scouted in a mall Um, A lot of people always think those are scams. It was not a scam, fortunately, in my case. Um, And that was when I was just a junior in high school. And then shortly after that, I was shooting for Ralph Lauren and Maybelline. And my career has gone in many different directions. And I've done a ton in fashion. So that's kind of how things started for me.
2: And Christina, how did you get started in tech? Yeah, so I got started in tech uh, through an internship the summer before my senior year of college, actually. So I started out uh, similar to the movie The Intern about Google. That was me. I interned at Google in California uh, at their campus uh, and then have just grown my career there since, since then in advertising sales. So truly uh, started from the bottom, like I said, as an intern, and then just kind of slowly moved way up.
0: So are you still at Google now while you're running the skincare brand as well?
2: That is correct. So I only have a small twitch in my right eye from uh, managing two full-time jobs.
0: Yeah. How does that even work? Like, how are you managing that?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, Emily and I have an incredible uh, support system and team at Covey in terms of a full-time CEO and also a number of freelancers and agencies that we work with. So I think that really allows me to be uh, ruthlessly uh, prioritized in terms of what I do with the business and kind of managing managing both things. But uh, basically, I do work 24-7 Weekends, evenings, all the time. So, um, plus she's a
1: mom. We're both moms. So it truly never ends.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So it's pretty much full on uh, all the time.
0: Yeah. And Emily, yeah, you just had a new baby. Congratulations. And um, are you also still modeling?
1: So not right at the moment. Um, I did have my son about three months ago. So I'm kind of still in that very fresh postpartum period. But once I feel good again to kind of venture out back into that world, I definitely will. I have kind of my agents. I'm with IMG worldwide and they're like, when are you coming back? When are you coming back? I'm like, just give me a, give me a second. Um, but I'm lucky that I have so much to work on in the meantime while I gear up to dive back into that.
0: So let's talk about the founding story of the brand. How did you two meet?
1: Yeah. So Christina and I met through our husbands. They all went to college together. My husband, Christina's husband, and Christina. Um, Our husbands put us on a double date and Christina and I became fast friends and took over and like we the drivers of the entire friendship from then on out. We just fell in love with each other. Um, so that is how we met. And the origin of Cubby really started. Christina and I were on a girl's trip together and we bro- both brought a ton of makeup, a ton of skincare. We slammed our bags on the table and we were sharing all the different products that we were using and also sharing that we had absolutely no idea how to use these products. Um, and I had come from the school of thought that more was more when it came to skincare. And also my skin was my job and my life. And I put every everything on my skin that was ever recommended to me by all the industry experts that were around me. Um, But my skin was really suffering. Christy and I both had very sensitive skin. It was always peeling and flaking and red and irritated. And we were like, there has to be a simpler way to do this. Um, So we decided to create a super simple, effective three-step routine that was designed for all skin types. um, Something that was very gentle that you could use every single day um, and really just map it and plan it out for you. So it was very approachable. So we launched with our original Covey routine, which was our first of all cleanser, our next step vitamin C serum, and our last but not least moisturizer. So that's kind of how things started.
2: So what year did you start planning this? Oh gosh. I mean, I think that this we started working on Covey five years ago now, and then we launched in March of 2021, kind of in the midst of the pandemic.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what was the process like for coming up with the concept of the brand? Had you had any experience with beauty before
2: this? So, you know, obviously I think Emily, you know, had experience like from being a model, but it was actually really important for Emily and I to make sure that we had an expert involved in the space. So we actually do have a founding dermatologist for Covey. She was my personal dermatologist, Dr. Julie Rusak for a very, very long time. And now is Emily's personal dermatologist as well. So we partnered with her to really understand what are those key essential products that you should be using every single day. And also she really helped us to inform that we were using kind of the latest high quality, most researched ingredients as well with all of our products. And as Emily mentioned, we also wanted to make sure that at the end of the day, whatever we were working on, our routine was easy and approachable and simple. So that was just always very critical and and has always been kind of our guiding light with Covey.
0: And then coming from the advertising world at Google. Tell me about your approach to SEO with the brand and how does searching for certain ingredients or popular trending terms inform the way that you develop products? Like, Did that play into the development of the brand at all?
2: Yeah, it actually absolutely did. So first of all, we did a ton of research and kind of sentimenting analysis just from Emily's audience, particularly on YouTube and also on Instagram, but we did use uh, Google Trends, which is a free tool that anyone has access to, to really understand what people were searching for and what they were asking for and their challenge and pain points related to a routine. So I think what's really powerful and interesting about Covey is like Emily mentioned, we had this personal pain point of being like really overwhelmed with skincare routines. But then when we looked at things like Google Trends, we found that like that that a lot of other people were searching the same questions that we had, like, what are the essential products? How should I create, you know, how should I use a skincare routine? How can I create a simple skincare routine? And that was like, you know, four years ago. So what I think is really interesting is that we've all kind of seen this skin minimalism trend really come to the forefront. But we saw that in a lot of our data um, many years ago. So it's really interesting.
0: And Emily, on your end, did you want to talk about how you developed your audience and what they've been interested in over the years? What were the top social platforms that you got started on?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was one of the OG Instagram users for sure back when that first came out. And then I started on my YouTube channel probably in 2016 or 17, and there I really just focused on like what was going on in my life and my day. I was modeling, I was traveling, and I did a lot in beauty. I mean, I'd been the face of Maybelline already at that point for almost 10 years and people were really interested in my skincare routine. They were really interested in tutorials. And like I mentioned, I I am and was so fortunate to be surrounded by so many experts who were always down to create content together. So I felt like I was able to really like serve my audience and give them the content that they wanted to see with true experts. So what was really nice was I had this kind of foundational beauty-loving audience baked in already. And like Christina said, we really leveraged them I did a ton of polls and Q&A's and we really, you know, went through all of the comments on my YouTube and my Instagram to figure out what are people asking? What are they talking about? What are they curious about? And that really informed and still to this day does inform what we do next with Covey.
0: How elaborate was your skincare routine earlier on in your career?
1: Oh my God, it was ridiculous. I mean, part of the inspiration behind Covey, I had done a Harper's Bazaar Get Unready with me and I had this super elaborate routine. I was using tretinoin and vitamin C and makeup removing wipes and thinking that I was just doing the most because I was doing everything. Um, and, the comment section on that video was like, this is the most insane routine I've ever seen. This girl is out of her mind. This routine makes no sense. And that was a point I remember where Christine and I, I remember talking to her about it and being like, wait, people are tearing me apart in this comment section. It was getting a lot of views, but I was like, people are crushing me. And I was like, I thought I was doing everything right. And I thought because I was doing a lot of steps and using expensive products that my skin was going to really, you know, pay me back for that. But my skin did not care and did not appreciate it. And it really was one of those moments where we were like, there has to be like a simple, really straightforward way to do this with effective products. So we should create that routine ourselves.
0: So was this kind of like the intellectual contingent online? Were they kind of picking apart all of the ingredients and that sort of thing?
1: My audience or us? In terms of the feedback you were getting on your skincare routine? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the feedback I was getting was like this routine is insane. You're not supposed to use like vitamin C with tretinoin. You should never use a makeup removing wipe. Like, she forgot to do this. Like, it was just it, there's so many steps to it. And all of the feedback was 100% right and valid. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. So, who is your main target audience for the brand? Because obviously, there is this kind of skin intellectual contingent that you see online, and it's this very online skincare community. But then when you think of the broader market, does everyone actually know about all of these different ingredients and how much does education play into that?
2: Yeah. So the Covey consumer, like she is the millennial working woman. She's very busy. So I would say not necessarily skin novice or skin intellectual, but in general, she doesn't want to go down the skincare rabbit hole. She doesn't want to have like an insanely extensive skincare routine. She wants it to come ready to go easy to use and that it works for her and it's going to work for her skin. So that's really, um, where uh, those are really the type of women that Covey has, has resonated with. That's so
0: interesting because, yeah, we see so much about skincare online, especially as a beauty reporter. But then it's important to remember that it's a big country and a lot of people may not be following it as closely as maybe a reporter is or a model. Um, So tell me about how you reach these customers. What's the strategy? Are you looking at retail partners? Are you doing D2C? What kind of
2: advertising are you focusing on Yeah, I mean, we are largely D2C. We do have a partnership with Space NK and Bloomingdale's. And for us, it was just really important. Obviously, beauty nowadays is omnichannel no matter what. So we wanted to make sure that we could have some sort of retail presence and really use that to kind of test and learn and see what works well. But the majority of our efforts and our revenue are coming in from direct to consumer. And we are doing paid advertising on platforms like TikTok, on Meta, also on Google and YouTube as well, as well as email and SMS. What I will say is that from an organic perspective, what we tend to do and what we've seen work very well is that because we have Emily at the helm, and just in general, with even Covey's organic uh channels both on Meta and TikTok, we kind of see what content works well there. And when we see something that's really taking off or going viral, we take that and then put it onto the paid advertising side of things or just take that kind of concept and then create that for our other products and create a paid ad for it.
0: Yeah. Emily, did you want to talk about how you incorporate the brand into your social content?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, I feel like the more organic it is, the better. I, you know, I think which is really nice because cuffy is such a huge part of my life and I use it every single day. So it's pretty easy, you know, for me, it's like get ready with me's and oftentimes what performs really well for the brands is just kind of lifestyle type hacks. Like something that went really viral for us was I was just sharing my favorite lip color and it was a combination of a Clinique Chubstick stick and our best-selling lip balm. And I just shared, cause it was a, a response to a question that somebody asked me and that did incredibly well for us. And then we used it for paid ads as well. But I really just incorporate Covey as much as I can and just kind of share what my life looks like now and what I'm working on. And luckily, it kind of all weaves together in really well.
0: And then when we're talking about products going viral, what platform are we talking about? Is this TikTok, Instagram, YouTube? TikTok.
1: Definitely TikTok is has been, especially for me and my organic, that's definitely a place Um, that I think everyone knows right now is the easiest way to get eyeballs and go viral. What's hard about TikTok, though, sometimes is you don't know exactly what's going to hit. So volume is important. But luckily, Christine and I are both always willing and able to create. Um, So, yeah.
0: Have you guys seen sales results directly tied to a specific TikTok post? Yes. Yeah.
1: Definitely from the lip. Yeah.
0: Yeah. From the lip, yes. And how does that compare to other platforms like Instagram, for example? Is the viral effect causing things to sell out specifically on TikTok?
2: Not specifically like on TikTok. I think that what we tend to see is that there is definitely a clear correlation when there is a video that goes viral on TikTok. And then we basically Google search is one of like the key indicators where you really see that spike in searches for Cubby or that particular product. I do think that there's still kind of not, uh, it's it's maybe not as advanced from an attribution perspective versus like a, a Google, which you really can see a little bit more of that direct correlation to revenue, same with Meta. Um, but that's what we kind of tend to see in terms of the connection between TikTok and then we tend to see it come through on Google search.
1: Yeah. And one other thing, you know, when an ad does well like that, for example, that lip balm ad, it did really, really well on TikTok. So we took the, that exact same ad and made it native to Instagram, used kind of whatever question tools and the font, make sure that it looks native to the platform and let it live there as well, which has yeah. done well for us.
0: hmm. Is TikTok becoming more pay-to-play these days? In the early days, it was very organic and you had all of these products going viral. Now they have more advertising opportunities. So is it becoming more like Instagram in terms of the need to boost with advertising?
2: I mean, I I would say actually that just from our experience, I think the platform still very much favors creators and organic content. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why I think that even as a non-creator, and like I said, Emily is a creator, we are really like heavily invested and leveraging that versus the paid side of things. And like I said, I think, once again, I'm paid. Since there's still not that direct conversion that we see on like meta and google and that direct correlation it's a little bit harder to justify the same investment
0: and tell me about social shopping do you offer any products for sale on instagram shopping are you interested in doing that on tiktok or do you have it on tiktok yet
2: So we definitely have it on Instagram shopping. And I know TikTok was having a beta at some point, but I don't think we're currently participating in that. Correct me if I'm wrong, Emily.
1: No, that's correct. Yeah. I mean, we'll definitely get on there when we can.
2: Yeah.
0: What have you guys seen from social shopping? Is that the way anyone checks out now or is everyone still going to Google and going through D2C? What are you seeing
2: it's still not the majority of revenue for us. I think, particularly for skincare and beauty, at the end of the day, people still. Are going to Google or they want to go on our website and they want to do that additional research. I think it's unique in that way from other platforms like uh, retail, where it's kind of like I see something, it looks nice. But like when it comes to like skincare, it's like, well, I want to go on Google. Are there any other articles? Are there any other reviews? Like more research is done. It's very rarely done, I think, instantly in that moment. So I think the skincare behavior is just uh, a little bit different in that way in that sense.
0: And what are your top selling products right now?
2: Yeah. So our top selling products are seal the deal lip balm. I mean, that was just an absolute runaway success for us, uh, and has been actually our best seller since we launched it in March, which is pretty crazy. And then second to that is actually our vitamin C serum. I mean, a lot of people say that it is liquid gold, uh, in a bottle, which is, which something that obviously we're incredibly proud of and then our first of all cleanser which has already won three beauty awards pop sugar in style and harper's bazaar for best cleanser
0: and you also just launched an spf and we're in the summer now what have you been seeing with demand for that and how much awareness is there of spf as a skincare product among kind of the general consumer these days
2: I mean, I can take this one too, Emily. I will say that this ha- a sunscreen that was the most requested product from our consumers, especially when it comes to, like I said, I think we're we're all about essential products. So, like everyone, no matter what, was always like, when are you coming out with a sunscreen? So, for our particular audience everyone was asking for it and everyone was waiting for it. I think there is just like a lot more awareness around sunscreens in general. There was obviously, you know, I think- a lot of headlines over the past year about chemical sunscreens in particular. So I think people are just a lot more educated with sunscreens, they're a lot more aware and careful about it especially when they're putting it on their face. That's why it was really important for Emily and I to have a 100% non-nano mineral sunscreen that we came out with. You know, it's it's not a chemical sunscreen at all. And it is doing incredibly well. And we've gotten really great feedback. A lot of people have said that it's just an incredible primer. You know, it's not chalky at all. It goes um, really well under makeup. So those were things that were really important for Emily and I when we were developing it.
0: Emily, when you were earlier on in your modeling career, was sunscreen on the radar in terms of the skincare advice you were getting? Did you have sunscreen earlier in your
1: career? No. Um, Did sunscreen exist? Yes. Did I use it? No. Um, Especially when I first started modeling, I was a teenager. I was doing baby oil and like laying out on my trampoline. Like when looking back, I'm like, oh my God, what was I thinking? Um, I probably did not really start focusing on sunscreen until Christina and I started working on Covey and I realized how important it was. And, you know, Christina mentioned Dr. Julie Rusak, who is our partner, Derm. Um, She was also someone who was like, you need a vitamin C serum and you need a sunscreen if you do nothing else, like do that. And I was like, got it. Um, but you know, when we created our SPF, I've tried so many sunscreens and never found one that I really liked. I did want to use mineral sunscreen because I have really sensitive skin. Also for my children, I only use mineral sunscreen. So creating one was really fun and and challenging, of course. Um, and I definitely wish that I could influence my younger self to have used it. <laughs>
0: And what was the formulation process like for a sunscreen because it's a it's a really high SPF, right? For zinc mm-hmm. usually it's usually it's around 30. So how did you guys get it up to 50? Yeah, I mean for us
2: like we we just worked with a really like high quality formulator that specializes only exclusively does SPFs. Mm-hmm. So that was like very critical for us and also made the process I think a lot Uh, easier and better to once again, get a higher SPF, but not necessarily sacrifice some of the other things that usually tend to come along with that.
0: Mm -hmm. And what's the marketing strategy like for reaching a kind of sunscreen, like you mentioned, the audience that's kind of concerned about chemical sunscreen, like, is there concern about
2: sunscreen overall? Do you get any of that feedback? I mean, I would say that, uh, you know, from a targeting perspective, a lot of it was just focusing on our current customer base, because like I said, it was the most requested product. So I think we put a lot of effort there um, because we knew that the demand would be there. And then I think from like a targeting perspective, I think it is still from a volume perspective, pretty niche in terms of like the chemical versus mineral and really getting enough volume there, like I said, from a targeting perspective with paid. So I think that we're still kind of doing more of the broader targeting just related to like sunscreen care, because there is a little bit of a trade-off in terms of the size of the audience and the particular, you know, type of the topic of content that we're going after.
0: Yeah, tell me how education plays into your content strategy. Like, where do you find channels to educate the consumer about sunscreen or vitamin C or ingredients?
2: Yeah. I, so. I would say that the two main platforms that we use for education are Instagram and TikTok. I think TikTok, one thing, it's a lot more bite-sized, whereas Instagram we go a little bit more in depth. So anytime we launch a new product, Emily and I kind of do. A full sit down where we go through like the most asked FAQs, and it, there could be like 10 or 12 of them. So, like I said, on Instagram, that tends to be a lot more in depth from an educational perspective. But then, as Emily mentioned before, kind of like adjusting it for the platform when it comes to TikTok, basically, we create the bite-sized versions of that. So it's like one question, why is a mineral sunscreen better than chemical? Or like, what are the three things that you should look for in a sunscreen? So Instagram allows us to do a little bit more long-form educational. And then I think for TikTok, we have more of that short-form educational strategy.
0: Yeah. Emily, what's your preferred video length for content these days? Because obviously TikTok has been encouraging one minute videos. We've seen Mm -hmm. YouTube getting into shorts. So it seems like everything's kind of converging. So what are you focusing on?
1: Yeah. I mean, what's really nice now, because there was a moment where there was IGTV, YouTube, TikTok. I think that all platforms luckily are focused on vertical content. So I'm vertical for all because for a long time I was also doing YouTube, which was landscape, trying to recrop it and make it work for all platforms was hard. So I'm always like vertical content is king. And I do find still to this day that slightly longer videos have been doing well because I know that TikTok is pushing that. But then randomly on TikTok, of course, it's like a little short trending sound will do really, really well for you. But regardless, I'm focused on vertical content and something a little bit longer and really kind of diving into detail is helpful sometimes.
0: And do you guys do influencer marketing? Emily, obviously you have such a huge audience. Is there an influencer marketing component where you're working with influencers as well?
1: Yeah. So we do work with influencers. So we, of course we have my organic network of influencers, which we've tapped into for almost all of our launches, which is always really successful in that side of things. And then we also do some influencer marketing. And then we also have a really great, um, kind of community of nano influencers that we've tapped into for affiliate, which has been really done really well for us.
0: And for the influencer marketing, what platforms are you guys focusing on? Obviously you, mentioned millennials are a big target. Mm-hmm. Are they all on TikTok now or is it mostly Instagram? Like what are you seeing?
1: We actually still focus primarily on Instagram for our influencer marketing because we did do some extensive research into our audience and she is primarily on Instagram, which is where we stick to for our, for our paid efforts.
0: That's so interesting. Do you have any insights on Gen Z and skincare these days? Are you looking at the Gen Z consumer? Are you focusing on that millennial consumer?
2: I would say that like, you know, everyone is kind of, I think, grabbing for the Gen Z audience are very aware of it. But I think for us, we, like Emily mentioned, we did this extensive consumer research. And we kind of know that this millennial audience is like our sweet spot and Covey is really resonating with her. And I think the secondary platform for them is YouTube. So for us, when we have invested in Instagram, especially, like I said, also from an influencer perspective, it it does well, which I think just kind of proves that, you know, instead of trying to widen or like also be relatable to gen z we're like Mm -hmm. let's just focus on our core audience and find more of them yeah and
1: typically what does well in terms of like influencer and we just did this recently is oftentimes it will be someone posting about us organically and then we end up whitelisting it
0: yep and christina you're obviously so tapped into the tech world what are you guys thinking about for fundraising? Have you done fundraising? Are you talking to any specific types of investors like the VC world?
2: Yeah, so we, you know, we did do a friends and family raise back in October of 2021. And prior to that, Emily and I actually uh, funded the business. So, you know, we are kind of exploring, I think that Javi is at a really exciting place from a growth perspective we also have a really strong subscription business as well which is is very helpful so I think that you know we're kind of exploring what is the next best step for uh to really fund that growth for for Covey uh, as long term as possible so to be determined Liz, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. What's the fundraising world like in beauty right now? I've been talking to a lot of beauty founders that say it's kind of shifting that um, the, the funding strategy is shifting with VC investment changing. So are you guys seeing anything with that?
2: I will say that I think that, you know, the The VC world right now is definitely the most challenging that I think that it's ever been. Obviously, due to the economy, I also think a lot of VCs, they're right now more focused on, you know, services, some sort of proprietary like IP technology. So I do think it is a much tougher space when it comes to VC if you are looking to get a consumer or physical a physical product funded.
0: And tell me about the subscription model. What are you guys seeing with consumer demand for subscriptions? And how do you balance kind of marketing that versus acquiring new customers?
2: Yeah, so I think for our, you know, our subscription model, which is just a very healthy portion of our revenue, I think the reason why it works well for Covey in particular is because we lead with routines and we're routines focused. So that obviously kind of lends itself really well. To, uh, to kind of a routine model. I don't think that's necessarily the case for all skincare brands who kind of lead a little bit more so with hero skews or a lot of different uh, SKUs, but for us in particular, it tends to work well. And I think when it comes to how we approach it from a marketing perspective, we really rely a lot more heavily on email and SMS to really upsell our routine and the subscription. So we kind of use our general paid marketing more as focus on a single hero skew that's doing well, kind of bring someone in that way. For instance, like our lip balm, which has a $19 price tag, that's been a really valuable customer acquisition tool with them. And then we use email and SMS to kind of hook them on subscription and our routines.
0: So I wanted to get some thoughts on your predictions for the future. First of all, social platforms. Are you guys on threads at all? What do you think of the future of that? Have you done any content for the brand on
1: threads? Emily, do you post on threads? I have posted on threads once and Covey is slowly kind of participating on threads. Um, I don't wanna sound like an old granny, but I'm not fully sure that threads will thrive for the longer term. Um, So I don't know if we would be investing so much into that as of yet. Because like I mentioned, like we kind of know where the Covey girl is and that's where we tend to play.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting because they said the engagement kind of flattened out after that initial surge. So it's interesting because it's the Instagram audience, but then are they interested in beauty in kind of a text format like that?
2: Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we're exploring, and I think will be a big trend for the future in in beauty is kind of like these uh, social community building platforms like Geneva, which we are Mm. currently testing right now with like our club Covey, as Emily mentioned, we're kind of really focused on building up this nano influencer based community. So that is something that we are actively testing and trying right now. And I do think that Given the crowdedness of the skincare space, and I think it will obviously continue to have more players enter the space, I think the community element will just be so much more critical to really differentiate skincare brands.
0: Yeah, we've been hearing more and more about Geneva these days. How do you guys use Geneva
2: Yeah, so it's very new. Uh, It's really new for us. So I think that we're just really playing around with it and kind of testing different topics. Like I said, with Club Covey, that's kind of our uh, official community program that we started. I think the other ways that we are activating community is just from a grassroots perspective. So for instance, Emily and I just did uh, an event uh, with Dog Pound in New York City, and we invited some of Covey's influencers, but then we also invited some of our top subscribers as well. So I think the combination of kind of those online community groups and then also doing those physical activations and getting access to the brand's founder and that authenticity is going to be very, very critical.
0: Yeah. Do you do a lot of in-person events and Is it common to bring in kind of customers into that kind of influencer event space and what are the benefits of that?
2: I don't necessarily know uh, how common it is. I obviously do know like some other brands, like they definitely do pop-ups and things like that. So I actually think it's becoming more common in particular because there's a lot of founder led skincare brands out there, obviously with Emily. And I think myself and Emily and our friendship, it's one of the things that resonates the most with the audience and really contributes to the authenticity of Covey and why we made it. So we've done everything from, uh, partnering with Chill House to celebrate Covey's second annual birthday. We also included, um, top Covey subscribers in that event as well. So we think it's just really important, like in order to create these ambassadors and fans, I think that they really do need to get those live touch points. And then we really see that come back in uh in spades for us. Yeah. As well. And
1: I think it's also important, you know, for our subscribers and people who have purchased six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 times, we really want to find a way to connect with them and kind of know them on a personal level. Cause at the end of the day, they're like our, our raving fans. So we don't kind of want to find a way to give back to them, which is a way, uh, an, an opportunity we see in, in live events.
0: Yeah. And just a final question for today. What are your things to look forward to for the brand going forward. Are you talking to any retail partners you're able to share? Are you developing more products? Is there anything in the pipeline? What can you share about the future?
1: Yes. So I can say that we are talking to a couple of other retailers outside of the one that we are already in, which is really exciting. Um, And then continuing to launch products and... Yeah, I feel like those are the two main things coming up for us. And aside from that, and on a business level, we're also really focused on kind of building out this community element and bringing in our Cubby, our club Cubby, bringing in everyone together and meeting live in person and creating that community element.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think one of my favorite comments that I saw yesterday on a TikTok that we posted was someone saying, I keep seeing you guys everywhere, like I really have to try To try it out, so I think you know, continuing to build our awareness and really break through uh, is is something that we're we're very focused on and really excited about, and kind of doing that in a grass grassroots community based way.
0: Christina and Emily, thank you so much for being here today and sharing everything about the brand, and we'll keep an eye on it for the future.
1: Awesome, thanks, Liz.
0: Thanks for tuning into the Glassy Beauty Podcast. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Please don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. See you next week.